Movies and Booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl. More for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. And thank you very much to Eamon there on News and uh, Richie was on Sport. Yes, there is a glass of Belgian beer awaiting me here in studio. It is time for movies and booze. I have Dean McGuinness in studio. You're very welcome. Thank you. Fanula Jones is here packed with all the showbiz (laughs) that we need today (laughs) with some Strictly news that I'm looking forward to getting into with you. And also Esther McCarthy is on the line. Esther, are you jealous you're not here in person? My tongue is hanging out for us up the Belgian beer right now. (laughs) Well, I'm so very sorry. Um, And today's movie hashtag is Denim Movies. And uh, so far, you have not disappointed listeners. Uh, Doctor, no, they won't fit you. My beautiful laundress. Million dollar Pepe. Dingoes Unchained. Flares in the Attic. And Levi Las Vegas, please keep them coming into us at uh, 53106. It'll cost you 30 cents for your texts or you can email afternoon at newstalk.com. Can we talk a little bit about beer culture then, um, Dean? Because you do learn a lot even about a city when you go by how they approach their beers, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. If you're traveling around Europe, the feel, particularly in Belgium, is very different from Ireland. Uh, Ireland probably has one of the most famous beer cultures in the world because as you travel around, there's an Irish pub in virtually every city in the world. Um, but when you go to other cities, it can be quite different. Now, what I thought would be nice for today would be to, to taste some beers that would be fitting with the idea of outdoor dining and Belgian beer culture is uh, a lot about outdoor dining. If you're going around Brussels or Ghent or or Bruges, uh, they have lots of tables outside, cafe um, bar culture, um, people drinking a beer during the day, often eight, nine, ten percent, but they're drinking it like you drink wine. Uh, so they're kind of sipping the beer yes. and enjoying it over an extended period of time rather than scotting back a pint. Yeah. yeah, no, they have the very small glasses. And even if you go to a, a, a brewery where there's all different types, it's of a tasting experience rather than a, as you say, down in points to get drunk experience. Absolutely. And in Belgium, the, the, the range of different flavours that they have in Belgium is amazing. Uh, they have uh, a, a, an attitude that they want to express their individuality. So every beer that is brewed in Belgium, if you try to classify it into a style more often than not, the brewer will argue that it's a style all of its own rather than saying that it fits with another style. Is there a correct way to taste beer? Are we supposed to smell it first and same way as you do wine. You can. It's uh, generally more relaxed when it comes to beer. But what you'll find is that if you're looking at uh, the flavours in beer, um, about 70 to 90 percent of the flavours that you get in beer, you get through your nose. Uh, So when you're tasting flavour, that flavour is either picked up as one of five flavours on your tongue or the volatiles are going back down the back of your throat and going back up into your nose and being detected in your nose, even if you think you're picking them up in your uh, in your mouth. So you'll pick up sweetness, bitterness, uh, saltiness, which is very unusual in beer, uh, sourness, which we'll get a bit more of in the second beer, and uh, then umami, which generally, if you get in beer, you, you, you've got a problem. There's, uh, there's something wrong with the beer. Um, so they're the flavours that you'll get on your tongue. But everything else, if you're getting fruity flavours, if you're getting like the aroma of caramel, or chocolate or anything like that that's all getting through the nose and you'll either pick it up either by smelling the beer or when you taste it by going down the back of your throat and Are you a beer way. drinker Fanula? I would be yes and I've already had a sip of one of the ones that Dean has on offer and it's 
delicious. It's probably one of the nicest ones I've had in a while. I Very kind of forget about it as a drink. I don't really know why. It's not the first one that ever comes to mind. And yet when I have it, I do in- enjoy it. It's just a bit gassy. It's Yeah, and it depends. Uh, a lot of people find that uh, beer can be gassy. Now, it depends on the, the beer that you're drinking. Um, with some beers, they're bottle conditioned. Uh, so they have yeast in the bottle. They're generating carbon dioxide in the bottle and the uh, the amount of gas that can be in them is a bit higher than normal. So if it's a wheat beer or some of the strong Belgian ales, they can be quite uh, gassy. If you've got a cask conditioned beer, and, and what you're talking about there is the traditional English pint of, of bitter that you see them on Coronation Street pulling with the the, the uh, hand pump uh, with the beer engine. The gas in that is quite low and it's quite a, a flat beer. Uh, so uh, the gas in uh, cask conditioned beer would be about half the gas in uh, the gas in a mainstream beer. And then in a, a wheat beer, a Belgian ale, it would be about 50% more again. The Coronation Street is where I need to go drinking beer. Really. <laughs> what are we tasting first here? So what we've got here is Bourgogne de Flandre Blonde. So it's a mixed fermentation beer brewed in Bruges uh, in the northeast of Belgium. And it is uh, unusual insofar as it's a beer that's modelled on a traditional Belgian style called an Oud Brun. Uh, the Oud Brun is a dark beer and that's the second one that we're going to be tasting but this one is a kind of a creative interpretation of it and what they've done is they've brewed it using pale malts instead of uh, dark malts so you get paler fruit flavours uh, kind of uh, green apple, green grape type flavours it's a little bit whiny in terms of the flavour it's a little bit like Chenin Blanc and then because it's brewed both with the addition of spices and also with spice flavours developed during the fermentation you get a certain amount of white pepper, clove and other spices like that. A little bit of lemongrass in there that comes through to, to balance out the flavour. It is quite florally, I'm, isn't I'm it? I'm definitely getting that wine-esque thing. It's so strange, but it's so delicious. I'm obsessed with this. <laughs> so nice. No, it's a lovely drink and it ha- has here as well that there's spicy nutmeg and a sort of a an elderflower type taste and you do get all of that and it's not very gassy, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's 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 a lighter beer. It's a 5, 5.5% AB for, for that. So in Ireland, we've got something unusual. Uh, for a lot of the mainstream beers in Ireland, they're at a different alcohol content than they are in any other country in the world. So uh, beers like Heineken, Budweiser, in other countries, they would be at 5% ABV. In Ireland, they're at 4.3% ABV. And part of the reason for that is the tax on our alcohol is through the roof. We have we pay really high tax on alcohol. So if you reduce the alcohol content, that reduces the tax that you're paying. So mm-hmm. it, it makes it... Uh, Money at the centre of all these decisions, <laughs> isn't it? Absolutely. Do you think outdoor dining is, is is here to stay? I was sitting outside a restaurant in Galway a couple of weekends ago in what can only be described as a squall, having the time of our lives. Whereas usually if somebody said, we have this seat here, you'd say, what are you talking about? There's no way I'm sitting outside. It is going to be interesting to, to see because I think the changes that have happened over the last year and a half, it's really hard to understand which one of, which ones of them are going to, to hold fast and which ones, how, how much we're going to revert back to normal. Uh, like if, if you're in, in Belgium, like Belgium, isn't the warmest country in the world um, but where they've got a cafe bar culture if you're there in a slightly cooler month they'll have uh, space heaters outside and people will still be sitting outside if it's a bit cooler um, because when you're sitting out with a space heater it, it can be as warm as yeah. if you're inside. And in other countries aside from Ireland like I remember going to San Sebastian for a friend's birthday 
And when we were booking the table for, for dinner that night, they could not understand that we were going to just stay there for the night. I mean, why don't you just finish your few plates, <laughs> drink two glasses and move on. But move on we shall while we sip on that delicious beer. Thank you, Dean. To some showbiz news, Vanula, and you were starting with one of my favourite shows, Strictly Come Dancing 2021. It's it's firing on with socially distanced dancing. Yeah, I'm really interested to pick your brain on this because I wouldn't be the biggest Strictly fan and this seems like a good change from the outside looking in. Um, we have Anton de Beck. He's joining the Strictly panel full time um, as a judge. He's replacing uh, Bruno Tanioli. He's unable to take part due to uncertainty over travel restrictions. Obviously, the everything's changing so much with COVID. And they were kind of shooting him in by um, screen and it's just a bit cringy. You can never really get the same camaraderie as when they're right there watching No, the definitely not. And especially someone like Bruno. Again, like you don't have to be a Strictly fan to know like the type of energy that he brings to a show like that. And as you said, it doesn't really translate well over Zooms. And I think there's definitely a bit of Zoom fatigue there with all of these kinds of shows so I think this is a great change like Debeck is kind of so like associated with the Strictly brand and he kind of brings his own kind of fun cheesiness I might say I'm not sure if you'd agree or disagree but I think this makes sense so he'll be sitting alongside Craig Revel Horwood who's obviously still there uh, Matsy Mabusi and Shirley Ballas I think that's a very well balanced judging panel in my opinion but would you have any strong opinions on Debeck joining? I wasn't mad on it last year now to be honest and I, I you know I so wanted to like it and I love that they brought back I mean any entertainment during a pandemic is always going to be welcomed truly that sort of maybe it'll be different with the vaccine now but that sort of no studio audience it was all just a bit stilted they had all the other contestants at the side instead of a live audience I mean it's a real live audience type programme mm-hmm. I felt it was just a bit too pulled back and again it's a bit too pulled back to go from Bruno to Anton de Beck so yeah. sorry Anton You'd wonder maybe if they were better off maybe putting the show to bed for a year and kind of the way that like Love Island and other shows did um, because I mean even like there was difficulty with some of the contestants even contracting COVID-19 despite how well uh, they tried to implement social distancing and everything else just such was the situation last year. Um, so I don't know, but like Strictly fans are obsessed with Strictly. So I kind of feel like most would probably stay with it no matter what. Yeah, I've, I've found over the years I've started to fast forward through. And mm. when you start to do that, it, you're in dangerous mm, territory, aren't you? Yeah. But still, um, as I say, a bit of entertainment in a pandemic is always welcome. Um, there's going to be a new Snow White adaptation. Yes, another Disney live action. Do we need another one? Um, I'm not so sure. But they've just cast their Snow White. It's Rachel Zegler. Um, she's actually due to play Maria in Steven Spielberg's uh, retelling of West Side Story. That's not out till December. But yeah, she was just cast. Apparently her vocal abilities are just the beginning of her gifts. That's what the producer had to say. And uh, her strength, intelligence and optimism will become an integral part of rediscovering the joy in this classic Disney fairy tale. Um, apparently there's been, they really wanted to get this right in terms of how they pr- approach the music and stuff. Hence why um, this wasn't seen as quickly as the likes of, you know, the live action Cinderella that we saw in recent years and other examples. Um, but they have uh, the people from The Greatest Showman, Dear Evan Hansen, uh, Lad- Land, they're all kind of involved in the writing of the music and apparently um, it's going to be very, very good and they're very, very happy with what they've come up with. So uh, watch I'm a Disney freak. I loved Cinderella. I loved Beauty and the Beast, the live action remake. I loved the live action Cinderella. I actually think that's very underrated. I thought yeah. Lily James was so good in that role and it just, it stayed very true but was also very fresh in a way. I don't really know how to describe it but... 
I don't know, there is a part of me that's just like, we don't need to remake everything in real life. You know what I mean? Like they're doing, I don't know if you saw this today as well. They're making a live action uh, movie based on Polly Pocket. Like, no. The, no, yeah, exactly. My reaction, exactly. Uh, Lily Collins is supposed to play Polly Pocket and uh, Lena Dunham is writing it. So... There you go. Whoa. We're at yeah, we're at no end uh, to the live action remix. I think I did really like the Kristen Stewart Snow the White. Snow the White, it yes, was quite I dark. Really it was that quite as well. cool. It I don't really, really mind a, a gritty retelling. I still haven't seen Cruella. It's on my list, but the the reviews of that have been like quite good as well. So I think if you can put a different spin on it, then Color Me Intrigued. But otherwise, if it's just the same thing, I don't know. But I feel like musical fans will really like this. This seems like a good old song and dance of her. In this age, though, it's a surprising one to go for. And you'd be interested to see what they're going to do with the Seven Dwarves, because I think anybody of different shape and size is just fed up with that stereotype. And they just want to see people who are shorter playing normal roles, such as the main part, rather than just be sidelined like that. So I think it's interesting. And I was reading also that she's come under fire for not having snow white skin. I mean, is there no end to this kind of discussion? When I hear that kind of stuff, I'm like eye roll but I think the the conversation in the dwarves definitely worth having and also like there's even been any time the Snow White fairy tale comes up there's always questions around like the issue of consent even the fact that she's asleep and the prince kisses her and all that so Stop! I know yeah it's I don't know so I don't know if they're gonna try and like rejig this or whatever that it's kind of more appropriate He's saving her life well like this is in my point as well exactly it's a fairy tale it's not real life but anyway we'll see I'm intrigued anyways so. <laughs> I think we'll need another slug of beer after that. <laughs> um, a texter says, I can't believe they're putting Anton in as a judge on Strictly. He was so cringy last year. I don't take him seriously at all. I wish they just stuck with the three usual judges, but I will be glued to Strictly when it returns. It is just a big hug in a programme, really. Um, Adele says he really impressed me last year as a judge. He saw things that the judges didn't because they do call him the king of the ballroom. So, yes, perhaps he is watching more keenly than others. And uh, Kieran says, on the subject of beer, so that's why I prefer Heineken and the like abroad. I thought it was the gas, but it's the alcohol content. <laughs> and that beer sounds like an old girlfriend of mine. Blonde, light and a big gassy. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. Esther, after the break, we'll get stuck into some of your movies. What are we going to talk about first? Let's talk about Supernova because I'm smitten with it. It's a really gorgeous love story. Oh, and Stanley Tucci, I'm smitten with him, so I can't wait to hear more. And Colin Firth, it has all of the good stuff, this one. Lovely. Well, keep your text coming into us, 53106 at a cost of 30 cents. We'll be back after these. So, can you tell that it's gotten worse? I'd like to make a speech. I, uh... Well, maybe, maybe Sam will do it for me. I'd love to you do it for me. Now, as most of you will know, I'm slowly losing my ability to remember. And I definitely wouldn't be here if it weren't for this man next to me. I want to be remembered for who I was, but not for who I'm about to become. It's not fair to you. It's not about fair, it's about love. No, Sam. I want to see this through with you to the end. Oh no, Esther, this film is going to make me cry, isn't it? Oh, listen, I was in, in flitters by the end of it, Claire. I was in bits. and um, But there's a real warmth to it as well and a real humour to it. And this is a beautifully judged film because... Um, 
we wouldn't normally be talking about uh, award season, which has only just ended uh, at this time of year, but it's a year like no other. But what I get a lot of usually as a reviewer in January, February is the dreaded Oscar baiting. And honestly, British film in particular is very bad at it. There's a whole step up or upper lip thing, the big classical music and the big sweeping. Let's win all the Oscars stuff. And it got really, really boring around the era of um, certain studios like Merrimax doing the big costume drama. Uh, and, and it just got very predictable. So what I really liked this for is its lack of Oscar rating. It's a subtle little film, this. Um, it's a quiet little film. Uh, and it's a filmmaker by the name of Harry McQueen, who has a background as an actor. And it shows because he has the confidence and faith in two actors as good as Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth to get his film over the line. And they do so beautifully. And it had me at hello, the very opening scene, um, the two of them lying in a single bed, embracing each other asleep. And then you get to know these men. Um, there's lovely banter. There's, you know, they're, they're on a road trip. Um, Tucci's character is named Tusker and Firth's is named Sam. And uh, one of the early um, banters between them is uh, Tucci saying, you know, could you try exploring the outer regions of fifth gear to Sam, who's driving? And they're just they're just slagging each other and winding each other up and bickering in the way that a couple have been together a long, long time and really know each other bicker. Uh, so you become very invested with an, a minimal amount of language, actually, but you just get to know these two, two really, really well. Um, and then, as you've alluded to already, Claire, then it like quietly goes and breaks your heart because you discover in little ways uh, Tusker's a writer and Sam's a successful musician. But you, you kind of learn in subtle ways early in the film, he's kind of been hiding the fact that he's not writing a novel um, anymore from from his partner. And when you learn why, that's a little bit heartbreaking because it's like page after page after page of a handwritten m manuscript. And then it's like goes into he sees the latter pages where it's just scribbles and you realize that this man is in the early stages of um, dementia and he can't write anymore. So, you know, the, his raison d'etre has gone from him. Um, and then you see other things like um, Sam's gotten a bit naggy with him because he forgets things all the time. And he wants to pack his bags and stuff, um, but he won't let him because, as we learn dramatically in the second hour of the film, I won't go spoilery on it, but he's a very, Tusker is a very single minded and very stubborn man. And he is determined, I suppose, to understand and deal with this um diagnosis in his own way he's always been that kind of character it's kind of what would have caused conflict if any over the course of their relationship um so but they're on a road trip um it looks absolutely beautiful we're up in the lake district um and there's some gorgeous spectacular panoramic scenes on the in the film and their intention is to revisit some of the most beautiful places they've discovered in past visits, but they haven't returned to for far too long. Um, and they also want to reunite with some of their friends who are based in the region. Um, but then what is hinted to and what is alluded to? And this is very funny in places, by the way. I will say Tucci and Firth make good bedfellows, literally in one of the film's funniest scenes. Um, but there's a real sadness there as well, because 
His health is in disarray. He is, you know, you see his motor skills declining. But it's that awful, awful stage. I've, I've always thought it must be so difficult, that awful stage of dementia where you're, you know, fully of mind. You've been diagnosed with this disease and you can see it's impacting on you. And he actually asks for it at one stage. Can you see me in decline yet? What can you see? So really difficult stuff, you know? Yeah, it's um, really interesting, isn't it? I mean, you know, who is it worse for the person going through it or the person watching it happen? The whole idea, whether you're married or not, of the kind of better for worse in sickness and in health. You know, it, it's really tough to go through the tough times, but that's the... I, the test of love and they call it the the long goodbye because the person is there, but they're they're slipping away before your eyes. There's a text here from David in Sligo. He says, why do they have two straight men playing a gay couple? I wish they'd cast actors true to life instead of going to the first available white straight man. Well, I thought that was the essence of, of acting that you, you know, can take on any role. And they're not just the first available white straight men. What well, what would you say, Esther? It's a tricky one. I mean, I'd be less, I'd be more sympathetic in in case of um, of actors maybe who are at disadvantage and who maybe are, are of colour or are of disability. But I certainly have no difficulty with um, straight men playing gay characters. And actually, this is a perfect piece of casting. Like they've known each other for years. They've been friends for years. And I think what you really see even in, in the interviews they've done around the film as well, I think the friendship feeds into characterization here in a really beautiful way. Um, it's two actors who really know each other and can bring the best out of each other. I think here they're giving you both individually great performances, but really convincing you um, about their, their love for each other as a couple, but also a really difficult decision they face as a couple and a conflicting decision they face as a couple together and it's beautifully underplayed um i think colin firth's the best he's ever been in this and i am a fan so that's there is a list of films there for me um and i think yeah they just work together beautifully i think it is they're they're the right actors for the job um and yeah this is i think this is beautiful it's you know i think mcqueen knows these people well it's an almost I, you know, I see the, the uh, you know, the argument leveled against this film is that it's almost too modest and too understated, um, which I frankly, when I said it uh, at the start, I'm frankly ref- find it refreshing. There's no Oscar rating drama going on here and that it's a quiet little film. And I do think as well, because it's navigating some really difficult territory in the latter hour, particularly, uh, I think allowing it to be a quiet film means it can do that with empathy and a real grace. Mm, um, and that's real life. I think Sometimes it's a great it doesn't film. come with bells and whistles, does it? A particular love story. Uh, Texter says, ah, Esther, I need to cry now. So why don't we lift ourselves <laughs> with some of the hashtag denim movies? We have the Flair Witch Project, Saving Ryan's Privates, uh, Lilo and Double Stitched, Die Another Day, uh, The Unbearable Tightness of Being, my favourite so far. In ah, oh, this is amazing. Ah, oh, can I do it justice? In denim of the father. <laughs> oh, you can't just say in de- denim of the father, but that is amazing. Star Wars: Return of the Levi, and it's Diesel another day. But 
you know, Diesel another day. Fair enough. Uh, Jean Girls, War of the Buttons, Song for a Baggy Boy, Who Flares Wins. I mean, when I saw this, I, I mean, I'm sorry, production team. I was like, who's going to come up with denim movies you have not disappointed? Uh, we'll take a break from movies for a moment, Fanula. Um, you're going to tell us a bit more showbiz news, but you're staying in the movie world. Harrison Ford has injured himself on the set of Indiana Jones 5. Yeah, the poor lad um, in the middle of shooting Indiana Jones 5. And I think we talked about this a couple of segments back on Movies and Booze. um, But he said to take a hiatus from filming. Uh, He's injured his shoulder. Um, It's director James Mangold. He came out and said that they were basically rehearsing for a fight scene and he sustained an injury. um, And they're going to continue shooting without him, like do the scenes that he's not going to be in or whatever. Like this isn't kind of unusual for Harrison Ford, though. He actually has a track record for injuring himself on set. Uh, He suffered a back injury on the set of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, Leg trauma and Star Wars Force Awakens, which was only recent. So, I mean, like, why does he need to be at this? You know what I mean? Just go home and rest with Callista. Like, you know, you don't need to be, you know, like, it's, know. it seems like it's more stress than it's worth I at know, this point. I know, you want to stop going on about how old he is. But, I mean, he is 78. To be Indiana Jones at 78. Now, is he going to be playing kind of the old, older version and allowing someone else in the in in the film to be kind of similar to in. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, they're being they're keeping the details so far under wraps. We know very little about it yet, so we don't know whether it's Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford on his in his twilight years, one last excavation or whatever, or whether he's acting as a mentor for someone else. But I mean, I don't know. I just hope the paycheck was worth it. That's all I'll say. Just as I said, more hassle than it seems worth at this point. And we're point. talking maybe surgery on the show. Potentially, quite, yeah. Potentially, quite serious. yeah. Quite serious. Um, tell us a little bit about this uh, Netflix show ending abruptly. Yes, we had John Boyega. He's after exiting a Netflix series called Rebel Ridge. Um, this kind of came out early June, basically that he'd left pretty much in the middle of production uh, for family reasons. That was the statement that was released by Netflix at the time. However, there's some other sources after coming out now saying that that actually wasn't the case. It was just that he pretty much up and left. Um, there was rumours that apparently the filmmakers only discovered that he had left when they went to look for him at his hotel room and realised that he'd checked out. Now, he's after categorically denying that through his representative, um, but apparently he had like a myriad of issues, like from the script to his own accommodations. Um, But it's really unfortunate because like, as much as this is kind of like gas in one way, like dozens of crew members had to be let go from the series because he basically decided he didn't want to be a part of it. Now again, as I said, his his agent, uh, Femi Ogans, has come out and basically said that denied that it had anything to do with anything else, that it was family reasons, that was that. Um, people with form opinions often rooted from boredom. As stated, John unfortunately left due to family reasons, which in truth is none of anyone's business except his own, and kind of maintained that himself and Netflix still have like a good relationship and they're going to continue to do things through his own production company, Upper Room. So I feel like this is just the start of something maybe, and maybe we'll be hearing more stories uh, connected to this coming out. But um, It's just one of those things, you know, like you say, to get out of PE at school. You yeah. say something that makes everyone <laughs> feel uncomfortable and then you don't have to do it. Yeah, totally. And I think uh, a lot of people said that this was kind of like, uh, there was no in- one incident that seemed to prompt him leaving. Um, but this is kind of the first one, like in recent memory that they can remember in which a star like walked away from a movie when filming was already underway. You know, that kind of way. It's mm-hmm. just, I just feel so sorry for the crew involved again because it's like, 
you're already talking about a year or so where the industry has kind of been they're all like PC or tested within an inch of their lives and exactly. then somebody just disappears yeah exactly it must be really tough all right. Well, uh, in relation to the text we had about uh, the new movie Supernova, where we've Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth playing a two gay men and um, we had David and Sligo had an issue with that. Declan says if only gay men can play gay characters by that rationale only a straight man can play a straight character and another says any actor should be able to play any part. The gender, race, able-bodied or not doesn't matter. This is what acting is. Think of Daniel Day-Lewis in My Left Foot for example. Great acting. And yeah he did come to my mind as well that you can go to the very opposite of who and what you are and that is the essence of acting. But then did Sia get in trouble recently? She had, was it music? And it was about autism. And I was like, why didn't you get somebody on the spectrum? And I've heard her interviewed and she said, I did have somebody in mind and her mum said she didn't feel she'd be up for it. So we chose this. I'm trying to do the right thing. Sometimes you can't do right for doing wrong, can you? Yeah, she very much doubled down on it. And I think that is a tricky situation. Like I would say in terms of like race, I, and this is just my opinion, I don't think if you are white, you should be playing a black character. Again, just my opinion. Um, I've seen Supernova. I saw it as part of the Dublin Film Festival this year. Loved it. And again, agreed with everything Esther said. I thought these two were very perfectly cast. And like, I think they're friendship really helps bring so much to this role um, but I would say I think you can see the difference when you have someone who uh, identifies as LGBTQ playing an actual LGBTQ person like you've seen it with um, It's a Sin which was on Channel 4 recently about the AIDS epidemic in the UK at the time in London and like it's very I think you can tell the difference a lot of the time when a cast when an actor is playing a character that's LGBT I do think it makes a difference in some cases like that but I will say I did love Supernova it was oh. so good Well I can't wait Esther what uh, movie are you going to talk to us in, in, in the final half of the show? We're going to talk about um, Liam Neeson who's I suppose there were nine nine words that changed Liam Neeson's career forevermore and they were I will find you and I will kill you yes. uh, because ever since th- that um, astonishing su- success that was taken, he's become a latter career um, action hero and a really unlikely one because he was quite a classical actor in style, you know, an Oscar winner for, for Schindler's List. And yeah, all of a sudden you had him, you know, using every different form of public transport in America or in Europe, uh, from the underground to trains, planes and automobiles, even a snowplow to chase down bad guys and kill them. I'm really disappointed he never um, tried it with a tractor. But here we're getting him having, you know, run out of all of the um, forms of transport in Europe. He's moving to the States and he's got a big lorry and he's going to chase down some baddies. OK, well, hold off. We will hear a little bit more about the ice road with Liam Neeson and Taste of Beer, which Dean has already warned me is a sour. Is a sour. Yes, unusual. They say that if you're tasting a sour, you need to drink at least three litres of it before you can decide whether you like it or not. Oh, Fanula, I don't know how we're getting home, but we'll see. We'll take a quick break. Now, before we get back to our second movie with Esther and our second beer with Dean, um, I want to give you another chance to win on our great gadget giveaway on News Talk. All this week, we have the most sought after gadgets up for grabs across every show. That is 25 chances to win. Smart TVs, iPhone 12s, air fryers, tablets and many more. Do stay tuned throughout the week for your chance to win. And today's prize is a KitchenAid artisan stand mixer. So to enter... 
Just answer this question. On the 13th of July 1985, almost two billion people watched a benefit concert to raise funds for relief of the Ethiopian famine. What was that benefit concert called? Live Aid or KitchenAid? Text the word gadget, your answer and your name to us now on 53106. That is 53106 and text cost 30 cent. And your texts are blowing me away. We are using the hashtag denim movies and we have the curious case of Benjamin Buttonfly, Muffin Top Gun. Yes, <laughs> Levi and Let Down, uh, Let Die, Levi and Let Die. That's another movie altogether I was reading. And Thighs Wide Cut. Please do keep them going. Now, before the break, Esther was telling us a little bit about The Ice Road, the new movie with Liam Neeson. Let's take a clip. You heard about the cave Yeah. I'm putting together a rescue mission. We have 26 trapped miners who are running out of air. I need 300 feet of pipe delivered up there in under 30 hours. Can you make it happen? Says you had experience on the ice road. Yep. He's the mechanic. One of the best. Sweet Jesus. Give me 50 bucks. One of my drivers just became available. Wait, what's it for? Bail. I, what? Told you this wasn't going to be easy. I'm in. So Esther, if Supernova was our thinking movie, is The Ice Road just our popcorn munching movie? It is. It's pretty dumb, to be honest. Yeah. Um, And I'm kind of, I'm running out of road with Liam Neeson on the ironic kind of badass thing. Um, I saw him in a a lovely film last year called Ordinary Love with Leslie Manville and was reminded of how good he is at drama. Um, But he's 69 now. He's having the time of his life. He keeps getting offered. I read an interview with him during the week where he said he he asks his agent um, when he gets a script and he says, what is it? It's an action script. And he says to his agent, they do know what age I am, right? (laughs) So I don't think he can quite believe himself that he's still getting offered um, these roles. But this is on Amazon Prime. I should have mentioned earlier Supernovas and Cinemas from today. Uh, But this one's on your Amazon Prime from tonight. Um, It had a nifty premise, I have to say. It was a whole world I didn't uh, realise. It's like ice roads, as the name would suggest. They're long and very treacherous roads across lakes, commonly found in North America and Canada. And you have specialist drivers who use these roads during the winter um, to maneuver heavy goods vehicles across the uh, roads to varying degrees of, of risk. So it's like, um, you know, you're you're seen in a film where somebody skates to the middle of a lake and you know what's going to happen. But but then some they're throwing a lorry at this one. Um, so it, it's the premise here is he's a specialist driver, but he's a bit mad. Uh, he's his name is Mike and there has been an explosion um at a, a canadian diamond mine h- hundreds of miles away um and that's just 400 miles below the arctic circle there's been a methane gas explosion several workers are killed and dozens more are trapped in an underground tunnel um well i so, thought doing movies and booze was tricky i mean that's a harder day at the <laughs> office isn't it for sure well, so all, y- all he has to do is you know no no biggie here all he has to do is traverse 300 miles of ice in the spring, in April, when the thaw is beginning and the dangers of doing that have never been greater. All the regular drivers won't do it because it's too mad. But Liam Neeson's mic is up for it. Just a bit of a, an action movie. Well, Esther, I hope we get to Sexy Beasts on Netflix. But before that, I just want to squeeze uh-huh. in your second beer, please, Dean. Now, you've warned us this is a sour. It looks much darker. Have you had a swill of this, Fanula? 
Yeah, I, I'm surprised though. I actually do like it. It's not okay, as, it didn't in. kind of catch me off guard as much as I thought it would. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about this. But it's from the same brewery, the same Belgian brewery. It is. It's Bourgogne de Flandre Brune. So it's uh, described as a rude brune. Uh, so that's a red brown ale, and it's traditions traditional style of ale for East Flanders, uh, the the northeast of of uh, Belgium is where this beer comes from. So. It's an unusual beer. It's a little bit like if, if uh, people are, are fans of cooking shows, it's it's a little bit like the type of thing that Heston Blumenthal will do. Um, when you look at a beer, you look at the colour of it and then you start predicting what the flavour is going to yeah, be it's like. very dark brown. So you, when you see those colours, you, you kind of expect roasty flavours, caramel, uh, sometimes chocolate coffee. And those flavours are in the aroma. Um, but it's uh, brewed with a mixed fermentation, so it comes through with a bit more acidity in it. And then that translates into a much zingier uh, taste on the palate. So the, the flavours that come through on the palate, uh, lime juice uh, comes through quite a bit uh, on the palate and it's very much a, a refreshing drink. It, it's quite a mouth-watering drink. Now, um, because of the, the disparity between the aroma and the acidity, normally you'd associate the, the cocoa, coffee powder, caramel type flavours that you're getting in the aroma. You'd associate that with the kind of a sweetness and a lusciousness on the palate and you're kind of getting exactly the opposite with the acidity. So it seems to kind of confuse you and, and, and uh, bungle you a little bit as you're Certainly tasting it. Certainly a jolt for the taste buds, I'll say that much. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's an unusual one because the, uh, the flavour sour is, um, uh, there are two flavours in beer that were just genetically programmed uh, to pause when we taste them. Uh, so a lot of beers can taste bitter and uh, then sour beers taste sour. And in both cases, uh, genetically we're programmed to, to pause and think bitter could be poison, be careful. Sour could be spoiled, be careful. Um, but if we were to work on that all of the time, there would be no gin and tonic. There would be no vinegar on chips. There would be no lime, uh, uh, lemon juice on pancakes. Oh, what a sad world. <laughs> so we, we can kind of train ourselves to understand that it's a, a pleasant flavour but the initial uh, experience that you get is a kind of a, a caution this is a little bit unusual this is something to be to, to, to uh, be, be wary of And what would you recommend this go with this accompany? This Well it's uh, quite acidic so it'll cut through um, with beer normally beer is acidic to start with it's about 4.3 on the pH uh, scale but this would be a further step down around 3.8 on, on pH so it's quite a bit more acidic It'll do a superb job of washing away oily fish. Uh, so if you've got a kind of an oily fish that is coating your palate, that acidity will wash that away and it'll complement it quite nicely. Sometimes with uh, fish having a little bit of fruit with it, uh, like with uh, uh, a cod, uh, people will squeeze uh, lemon juice or lime juice over the fish. So it works very, very well with that. So where can people get their hands on these? So we've got these, a few texts in. Yeah, in, in the specialist off licences. So um, if you're in Dublin, uh, Black Rock Cellars uh, uh, would be a great one out in Blackrock, uh, Jimmy Redmond, Redmond's in Ranla down in Cork, um, Matson's or uh, Bradley's would uh, be great ones to go to. But any of the the specialist uh, beer off licenses wouldn't be in the supermarkets. It's uh, very much. A and you're beer. asking for a Bourgogne. Bourgogne de Flandre. Okay, you have to get it all out, do you? <laughs> Just take a Ned Flanders and, and do your best when you go to one of those special off licenses. I'm not mad on that one. It, I'd it, have to say. Yeah, it's 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 one that will divide people down the middle. Um, but what often happens with sours 
is that um, I know some people who have tasted sours and absolutely hated them with a passion. And I meet them six months later and I say, oh, you know, did you ever try sours again? And they're raving about them. Mm. Uh, So it's a little bit like a traditional lemonade made with uh, lemon juice and and sugar that sometimes people taste that and they kind of go, no, I don't know about that. Um, But then once they develop a taste, they'll never go back to to the kind of the the regular mainstream lemonade again. So we'll we'll convert you eventually. We'll we'll, we'll force you down and and get three litres of it into you. (laughs) Well, we shall sip away while Esther, you uh, tell people about this new concept in uh, dating shows coming to Netflix, Sexy Beasts. Well, you know, do you ever have a really bad fever dream nightmare where you you realise the crazy stuff going on around you is not real and you try and wake yourself up? Um, That's what I did when I was reading about this new show called Sexy Beasts the other day. Um, So it's like it's been ordered by Netflix and it's, they're going with the idea that it's all about personality. It's a dating series. But what they've done is transform their looks using animal makeup and prosthetics before they head out on a blind date. And frankly, Claire, I've seen some of the stills from this and I am traumatised. I feel triggered again, having had to sit through cats a couple of years ago. Wow, um, all I of the memories are coming flooding back. That is a terrifying Musical, full stop. What is happening? Why? How did that ever? I mean, Andrew Lloyd Webber is obviously very talented at musicals, but how did that get past even planning? Forget into a Hollywood blockbuster. I mean, it was as mad as a box of badgers, the whole thing from start to finish. But like, if you thought the prosthetics and the imagery and the you know the hair and the fur and all of that were crazy in that, you just have to imagine taking one of them on a date. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god yeah like that's really yeah that's gonna really um spawn romance there guys so mad mad i checked what date it was i pinched myself to try and wake up it wasn't april and i, I was actually alive and this is the world i live in now and this is the series that's going to be coming out and i bet you it'll be massive hit. there you go I know. Well, I know nothing myself, about anything. And Fanula have admitted that we will, we will watch it. I'm horrified, but I cannot wait to sit down and watch it all. Like oh my it's, god! A fever dream is the only way to describe it. It's just I, mental. I usually say I, I, I see films, so you don't have to see them. But I, I can't unsee what I've seen in the last two days. Because we can't reimagine dating anymore. I mean, we've got that Channel Four one. Is it Naked Ambition? Naked Attraction. Attraction, where like it's bodies only. Then we've had the dating one on Netflix that was huge, where they just spoke to the screen and then they went off. Love is blind. Uh, Love is blind. This one, I think they just get more longevity out of the two people, that they're kind of blind for longer. But the prosthetics is what really, really scares it. Like beavers and dolphins hanging out for for two weeks. It's just so unnerving seeing like dolphins asking other people about health insurance and like how many kids (laughs) they want. It's it's really deranged. Like the 2021, the year that keeps on giving like... They made a show called The Voice. Like you can literally just turn the chair around. You know what I mean? Well, I'm not into the mask dancer or the mask singer either. I just don't really get why all our everything we're looking at on TV is going so over the top. And it is kind of like those characters. It looks like the mask dancer, mask singer people and they're going on a date. It's only that they're not wearing 
full heads because they need to be able to kiss. That's something I can't unsee. <laughs> the devil and the I don't know what they were that were actually kissed. Anyway, I mean, are, are, are you going to give it a watch? Will you watch it so we don't have to, Esther? I will, but I probably like probably like I watch a horror movie when they're press screened at half ten in the morning. I think with my fingers over my eyes and looking through the little gaps a little. Um, the surprising thing for this is 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 it was a, a originally a British series for BBC Three. It wasn't on my radar before now, but apparently it was um, aired for a few months uh, between February and uh, September in 2014, and has already been franchised in other countries, including, of course, Japan. Oh, it's a long tradition of loving their crazy telly. We have um, a little clip of it. Let's take a listen. I want to get married. I want to have babies. Before I'm like 26, do you have health insurance? Welcome to the strangest blind date ever. Hey, how you doing? Damn, how are you you doing? (laughs) Could you fall in love with someone based on personality alone? What is your ideal woman? Personality for me is everything. First, personality second. You're the best looking devil I've ever seen. This is really weird right now. <laughs> Would you count this as a weird experience for you? Cheers. Cheers. Uh, so, I like your fin. <laughs> <laughs> so what if I pick you and I'm not what you expect underneath? Oh my God! Maybe it's like you're sour, is it, Steve? <laughs> you, 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 you instantly think no, and then three yeah. litres in, you, you don't know. Well, I'm disturbed if, if after three <laughs> litres that you do actually start uh, finding it appealing. <laughs> well, thank you to all three of you for a most enjoyable hour. To Dean um, on our booze, to Fanula on our showbiz, mm. and to you, Esther, on our movies. And... Our winner of today's giveaway, which was the KitchenAid Artisan Stand Mixer, which is something I always wish I owned, even though I know I'd probably never use it once I did, is Siobhan Casey at Killavullen in County Cork. So Siobhan, we expect you to send us in photos of all the cakes that you make. That's our lot for today and indeed the week. Uh, my production team was Marisa Sullivan, Aidan McKelvey, Garrett. Gary Toomey and Michael Quilligan was on sound. Do stay tuned for The Hard Shoulder. That's up next. Have a lovely weekend. Movies and Booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl, more for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie.